Hello and welcome to our podcast. My name is Jillian. And my name is Kat. And this is Bugging Out About. So recently, so Kat and I are in this Facebook group, which was originally called... It was uh, Green Memes for Ecological Fiends, I think. And it's, a hu- it's really funny. There's- it's a pretty big. It's really grown in popularity, or maybe I just... I mean, I just joined it a couple yeah. months ago, but I just checked the membership. There's like 45,000 people. Right. And right now they're kind of obsessed with some toucans. At yeah, the they moment. just they just changed the name to uh, what, what was it? Now I got toucan th- memes for ecological fiends because everything's and then they can't change it back for like another 28 days. So they're pretty much stuck with that name for a while. My vote for the next one is uh, tarantula memes. Tarantula for memes ecological. for ecological fiends. <laughs> Boy, did we have a good intro for that one. If you can't guess already, our topic today is tarantulas. tarantulas. So to make it official, today we are bugging out about tarantulas. Quick disclaimer, though, real quick. Um, we are not experts by any means. Yet. Yet. Uh, This is all just based off of our research, our school studies, um, and hopefully one day you will be able to call us experts, but at the time being, we are just doing this because we are hobbyists in the entomology world. We are also minoring in entomology in school. Both of us have some form of entomology minor. Um, We also ask you to bear with us as we talk about these animals. Uh, We'll be using some terminology that can be kind of tricky or tough and we'll try to explain everything as best we can we will try to pronounce everything as best that we can and last we encourage all of you to keep an open mind about bugs if you're already listening to this podcast i'm sure you already do have an open mind um but we have experience in education with bugs and we totally understand if you're afraid of them i mean we get it all the time and i will admit i used to be afraid of bugs oh yeah especially with our topic today tarantulas are a definite fear hot spot for people but we hope to alleviate your concerns through knowledge yeah so the a majority of this podcast today is going to be spent talking about why tarantulas aren't <laughs> as scary as maybe they're made out to be but hopefully that didn't like ruin the whole podcast just now anyhow we hope you gain something valuable from this podcast Okay, so let's start with the best uh, category of the podcast. (laughs) First one, best one. Jillian, tell me about the etymology of entomology for tarantulas. So essentially, since we're talking about an arachnid today, it's really arachnology, but we like keeping the segment name etymology of entomology. But this one today is actually super, super interesting. Uh, This is probably going to be one of my favorite parts of the podcast today. So we're going to be talking about tarantulas, and the origin of the word tarantula is actually kind of tricky, and total. they're named after the totally wrong thing. Like, I, they're not supposed to be called tarantulas, according to this. So I'll just get right into it. So there's this place in the world called Toronto, Italy, and we're going to pretend that we're back in medieval Renaissance Italy. We are Renaissance peasants today. And if you lived in Toronto, Italy, you would see these very large, hairy spiders. But these are not tarantulas. I'm just going to clarify that really quick. These big, hairy spiders that you are seeing all over the place are wolf spiders. So, Kat, my Renaissance peasant, you are living in Toronto, Italy, and you get bitten by one of these big, hairy spiders. Uh Uh-oh. And me, as the local renaissance medical expert i tell you do a little dance make a little love what get down tonight what and you are going to do the tarantella dance so this dance back in medieval italy they thought that if you were bitten by one of these wolf spiders the only way to get rid of the venom was to sweat it out through dancing They say some of the symptoms would be a state of sadness, you'd become very depressed, you were bitten by the spider, and a lack of senses. But if we presented Kat with her favorite music, Kat, what's your favorite music? I listen to musicals. So we're going to play some Wicked for Kat. No, man, Greatest Showman, please. Okay, we're going to play some Greatest Showman, and she's going to spring up and dance for joy until she is exhausted or lifeless, according to this definition can i choose lifeless please lifeless 
But the reality is that the wolf spider's venom hurts no more than a bee sting, and it's actually not that harmful to humans. Granted, there is not much medical research in this area due to such a low toxicity, so we're not actually exactly sure how toxic toxic this venom really is, but to current medical knowledge, it's not very much. So where you get tarantula is both from Toronto, Italy, but also the dance Tarantella, but the original name did not come from tarantulas, it came from wolf spiders. Everybody thinks a furry spider is a wolf spider. I'm just throwing that one out there. That's the most annoying thing in the world. We, I mean, it's okay if you get them mixed up like that. I'm, if you don't work with spiders, you probably don't really know the difference. I've definitely had a kid tell me they found a tarantula in their mailbox in Iowa. Well, it does happen because people will take tarantulas as pets and then just release them into the wild. Don't but that's that. a topic for later on in the podcast. We should do an invasive species one. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Anyways, so that is where you get the word tarantula from. And side note, I found some really cool... I found this interesting fact that there are a couple musicians named after tarantulas, so I thought I'd just add this in, like, the word history Wait, section. the musicians are named after the tarantulas? The oh, tarantulas no. <laughs> are, The tarantulas are named after the musicians. Yes. Okay. Tarantulas are named after the musicians. So um, I found three tarantulas named after musicians. The first one is... Bumba Lenini, Lenini, Bumba Lenini, which is named after John Lennon. I thought that Naturally. was pretty cool. Uh, my personal favorite, uh, Pusillatheria metallica. I can say that one pretty well. Well, it's pretty, very beautiful. Look it up, my friends. They're also called the Goody Sapphire tarantula, if I'm correct. Beautiful. They tarantulas. are beautiful. bright blue, and it, they are absolutely stunning. Definitely look up a picture of them. And then the last one is a, a Fonapelma? A Fonapelma? A Fonapelma. A Fonapelma Johnny Cashi. <laughs> Johnny Cashi. <laughs> that one is named after, you probably guessed it, Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash. So that is our etymology of entomology for today. So we are going to slide right along onto our next segment, which is Tarantulas 101. So for anyone who may not have seen a tarantula in real life or doesn't know a lot about them, this is just our little bit that gives you background information on the animal before we really dive into detailed information about them. Right. So quick classification and taxonomy for tarantulas. Obviously, they are in the kingdom Animalia. Bugs are animals. Never forget, <laughs> bugs are animals. They're in the phylum Arthropoda because they have their exoskeleton and their jointed, jointed appendages. appendages. Uh, their subphylum is Chelicerata, class Arachnidae, order Araneae. They have an infraorder in there, the Mygalomorphae. Which doesn't, it's not just tarantulas, which many people refer to tarantulas to their infraorder, but it actually includes things like funnel webs and trapdoor spiders as well. And they're characterized by their fangs that point straight down and cannot cross each other. And this is the biggest distinction between um, Mygalomorphs and the rest of the true spiders. Right. The and others are classified as araneomorphs, which have the fangs that slope towards each other. And then finally, we have the family Therophosida. Therophos. No, it's. We just looked up the pronunciation for this and. Therophosida. Therophosida. We have been saying um, Therophosida and we're like. Well, we should double check that because especially if our meme group friends are listening, they're going to know if we say this wrong. <laughs> so we looked it up and I still can't say it. So sue me. I can't say it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you study any animal that has like a like insects and arachnids, there's just so many. You're bound to pronounce some wrong Something's, at some point. But uh, OK, so family Therophosidae, those are your true tarantulas. There's about 900 species classified in that family. So what exactly makes a tarantula a tarantula? If you're just walking along and you see a big old hairy spider, how are you sure it is a tarantula? So let's start off with what they look like. Your basic tarantula anatomy is going to be two body segments, which is going to be your cephalothorax and your abdomen. So unlike insects who have three, three. body parts, the first two are kind of combined into one body part, which is essentially like your head. So your cephalothorax and then the abdomen. And then you're going to have four pairs of legs with a total of eight. So four legs on each side. Very classic spider 
anatomy. Makes sense. Very classic arachnid anatomy (laughs) we should throw out there. Two body segments, eight legs, arachnid. That's arachnid. They're going to have two to four spinnerets, and then they're going to consistently have eight eyes, to my knowledge. In the araniomorphs, they can have a varied amount of eyes, um, but in tarantulas, there's always going to be eight eyes. And then we have our ever so popular part of the tarantulas, which is the hairy part that's actually called setae. It's not like mammal hair that you and I have. It's a specialized hair. Yeah, it's it's how what they use to sense their environment. So setae's purpose is to detect vibrations from sound and movement. Uh, it also can detect pheromones and other chemicals. The tarantulas a lot they rely a lot on touch more than their sight. They don't have very good eyesight. No. No, not good at all. And then some use their setae in aid for producing a hissing sound through stridulation, which we find more typically in our old world species like our king baboon tarantulas. And last but not least, they have, well, some of them have what's called urticating hairs. And these are a special type of hair that have sort of um, a bristly structure. It's kind of serrated ish like a bread knife or kind of like barbed wire and these hairs are specialized in that they're used for defense and we'll talk a little bit later about urticating hairs but essentially what they do is the tarantula will kick them off at their predators and it can cause an itchy rat itchy rash like symptom as a way to deter anything that might be coming after them but these are only found on what are called new world tarantulas and you might be hearing us talk about new world versus old world tarantulas and we'll get to that in just a second but for now let's move on and talk about tarantulas as predators right so tarantulas are what we call sit and wait or ambush predators there's a common misconception that they use their webs to catch prey like spiders do. Like the uraniomorphs. Right, like the uraniomorphs. And while tarantulas do spin silk, the silk is most often used for creating burrows or soft pads for them to molt on. They also tend to use the silk as a way, as kind of like a, like a trigger, a, a tri- trap. Like a tripwire. Uh, yeah, a tripwire, exactly. So if they s- feel something come across the entrance of their burrow, they know it's there and they can go hunt. And another common misconception about tarantulas and many venomous species of anything, for that matter, is that their venom is made for defense. That's not necessarily true. Venom, its first and foremost purpose is for hunting. Hunting. Yeah. So what they will do when they catch their prey, they will ingest, or not ingest, inject inject <laughs> both venom and digestive enzymes into their prey and it is slurped through a straw-shaped mouth. They only eat the liquid foods, so they suck it up like a little straw, except their straws are eco-friendly. But that isn't to say that tarantulas can't be a prey item. Uh, They also can be preyed upon, though it is rarely, but they can be eaten by lizards, birds, even some mammals. Uh, The most common predator is pepsis wasps, who lay their eggs inside of them. Pompilidae is the family for the wasps. They're also, their common name would be tarantula hawk wasps. And they, fun fact, have one of the most painful insect stings, ranked number two in the entire world, according to the Schmidt Sting Scale, right behind the bullet ant. Okay, so a common question we have gotten over the past two years is, how long do tarantulas live? That's kind of a complicated question to answer. It really just varies by species. So let's start off by simply talking about the life cycle of a tarantula. So it's got a three-stage life cycle. Egg, juvenile, adult. And full maturity is reached for most tarantulas between two to five years, depending on the species. But some males will take up to ten years to reach maturity if they happen to live that long. Which is better than humans because sometimes it takes our males up to 70 years to reach maturity. (laughs) So to grow, tarantulas will molt. Some of you may have seen videos of them shedding their skin, and it looks like there's a completely separate tarantula in there. Like, the first time I saw it at work, I was like, what, there's a second tarantula in there? I have to save our other tarantula. The other one's going to attack it. Who messed this up? And it turns out they're just molting. I had someone come into the bathroom and throw a molt on me. I Who thought was that? It was Kelsey. Oh, <laughs> So I thought she threw a real tarantula on me. I was like, number one, why are you throwing my tarantulas? (laughs) Number two, I screamed like a little girl. I'm sorry. It was embarrassing. (laughs) Anyhow, 
With male tarantulas, it turns out that they generally don't live as long as the females and by a significant amount. What tends to happen is that when... So, essentially, male tarantulas have a finite amount of times that they can molt, whereas the females can molt as many times as they want throughout their lifetime. Right. And that's usually because if the males attempt to molt again, their sexual organs can get stuck in that molt and that leads to the tarantula dying. So, eventually, no matter what, they'll just get too big, they'll get stuck in the molt and they'll die. Uh, Size matters. Size does matter, (laughs) gentlemen. If you're a tarantula. um, Bigger is not always better. But what's nice for tarantulas is molting allows them to regrow external structures such as limbs, and it can also help them regrow or just generate (laughs) mature and otherwise just simply the internal structures like stomach lining and female genitalia. Some of the longest-lived tarantulas can reach 30 years, uh, such as the Chilean rosehair. The oldest tarantula that we have ever known was a trapdoor tarantula. They lived to be... 43 years old. Was that a mistake on my part? Because trapdoors are mygalomorphs. I mean, tarantulas. If, if you count... My, I like mean, the I'm, whole mygalomorph like, I'm, group. I'm going to kind of count it because 43 years old, I think that's, that's pretty a little, significant. I think that's, I think that's a significant thing. Do you know how she died? Uh, she got stung by something, yeah. right? Isn't that crazy? So it could have lived longer. Yeah. It's so like it the just, crazy part. It died because it got stung by a mm-hmm. wasp ridiculous <laughs> rest in peace yep but uh males they're obviously not going to get they only live about one to two years after they reach adulthood and so they spend most of their adulthood just looking for other mates um and because of this their max lifespan is only about the early teens yes so if you go off what we said earlier about reaching maturity at about 10 years That leaves them at 12 years, and their female counterparts living essentially twice as long in some species. Go ladies. (laughs) Go girl bugs. Girl bugs all the way. (laughs) Fun fact, um, when we worked together at the insect zoo, we had an all-female staff, which is, I mean... It's impressive, because people don't think girls want to play with bugs. Right, and we even got, like, weird questions about, like, I had someone ask me once, they're like, so why is your staff all-female, like... It was like they put it in a very weird tone. I was like, that's just how the hiring process worked. But like, if you're wondering, like, yes, we're not afraid. It has nothing to do with us being women. We just, we like bugs. I don't like the misconception that women are afraid of things. I've seen so many more men jump away from our (laughs) spider section. There is this weird Facebook post on some separate insect spider group i'm in and this guy was like when i was younger i got bullied for liking bugs because it wasn't a it wasn't a masculine thing to like bugs i was like i think it's just taboo for people to like bugs in western culture like generally the culture is that bugs are like gross or scary or creepy so honestly it's just the fact that nobody really likes bugs like generally speaking and so it's just weird when people do like them i, yeah, don't, they I judge, don't get what they he was judge getting the at people who love them I'm... anywho rant over we yeah, should rant we over should continue on so now that we've talked a little bit about you know the life cycle i guess we should talk about the reproduction how tarantulas reproduce and their mating process i'll let you take that one i'm not gonna lie i won't lie to anyone on this podcast i have no idea about their mating this is a jillion question right now (laughs) i did get the chance to mate some tarantulas at our job when i still worked there it was a very fun experience it definitely like the first time you're super anxious because you're like i just don't want one of them to die like something's gonna not literally something's gonna go wrong (laughs) but anyhow mating starts with males creating what's called a sperm web where they place some of their semen on top of like a mat of web that they've created and they will rub their palps which look like a fifth pair of legs, but it's actually what's called pedipalps. And they will rub those on the semen to absorb it, and then they will go out looking for a mate. So males will search day and night for mates, and when mature, sometimes leads to what looks like a mass gathering of tarantulas and is sometimes referred to as a tarantula migration, but that's not really what it is. And lots of people have seen this, including the Kardashians. Fun fact. Which oh, was, <laughs> we're promised we're not sponsored by them. 
they're not gonna like me for this segment because the Kardashians are responsible for like fear-mongering people about this tarantula escapade. I saw their videos about it. They're like, look at all these tarantulas. This is so scary. What the heck? And that, I mean, they called it an, someone called it an infestation. It's almost impossible to get an infestation of tarantulas. I think that's what They're the article too territorial. said. As like the tra- there's an inf- the Kardashians have an infestation of tarantulas. I roll. That is really hard to obtain. If you can get tarantula infestation, call us. Invite me over. <laughs> I want to live where you're living. But anyways, um, this is just a bunch of males within the mating period looking for mates they tarantulas do not like to be with other tarantulas other than the short like two minutes they are copulating that is it so it just so happens that all these males come out at the same time moving on from that they may find a female out and about or by her burrow to attract her he may do some courtship movements if you know she's within a certain range but they can also detect the female through pheromones or the female can send them signals such as drumming her legs. But if she is uninterested, she will ignore him or even attack him. I would probably be the tarantula that attacks him if I was uninterested. Nobody tried to mate with Jillian, apparently. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to drum my legs. <laughs> you can. You guys that. can't see you it, can but I that. just tried to drum you, my legs on the floor. I look legs. like a toddler. <gasps> you can hear you could have you could hear the legs in the recording you can hear me drumming my legs males look out for cat (laughs) (laughs) but essentially after that if she is interested the courtship will start with them raising the front legs and the male will hold up the female and insert his semen through his saturated palps into what's called her gonopore So this is the actual copulation part of mating. And this can happen all in a few short minutes. The male will release the female and run away to avoid being eaten. But it's actually pretty rare for the male to be eaten. For as much as articles... Like, I'm rolling my eyes right now. Yes, she is. (laughs) As much as articles like to talk about male bugs being eaten, in this instance it's rare it, you know it's Even actually mantids. kind of yeah for mantids it's actually not that common of a thing isn't it like 24 percent? it's pretty low it's I'm, less than half and it's that. not because they're awful i mean the male just has a lot of nutrients and she's gonna need nutrients for the eggs so if he's completed his mission if he's completed really- his mission he's about to die anyway <laughs> so might as well utilize his nutrients So once the female has the sperm inside her, that's when fertilization can occur. And it will occur between one to eight months, depending on conditions for the female, such as when her last molt was, what season it is, food, humidity, humidity, etc. When the eggs are laid, they are put in a cocoon, what can also be called an egg sac, and the mom will protect her sac, turning it periodically to make sure the temperature and humidity are even for the entire sac, and she can have between 50 to 2,000 offspring, dependent upon the species. But some, when we mated ours in captivity, some of them, for whatever reason, it's not always successful, they might just not be healthy enough, and the female will sometimes end up eating her egg sac. Fun fact. I say fun fact a lot. There's a lot of fun facts in this episode. Eating your babies is a fun fact, Jillian. <laughs> Lots of animals eat their babies. It's normal. <laughs> not for humans. It's normal. Don't eat your, ba- yeah, don't don't eat your, your human babies. So, that's some no- people eat the placenta, but that's well, not that's, the baby. Well, that's not an entomology subject. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think some bugs eat their placentas? I don't think bugs have placentas. Who's that celebrity that's responsible for all that weird, like... Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, maybe there's, like, a Gwyneth Paltrow bug. Gwyneth paltrow I. That would be pretty funny. It's probably a cockroach. <laughs> okay. That's, that's offensive to cockroaches everywhere, Kat. Cockroaches Sorry. are good. Cockroaches they are good. Are good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't encourage you to eat placentas or stick weird things up where they're not supposed to be. What? Oh, my that's, gosh. That's a thing. No, that's a... No, no. Some people are putting, um wasp what is it called when they put their eggs in the figs i have no or like they make the little the bump out of it whatever it is people are putting those in places they're not supposed to that is what is wrong with the human race anyway let's go ahead and clear up 
some quick myths about tarantulas, clear the air about some of the nasty business here. Uh, first and foremost, and we cannot stress this enough, a tarantula bite cannot kill you. Common myth that if you're bit by a tarantula, you will die. Nope, it's very far from the truth. Asterisk, if you are suffering from any sort of uh, illness or you are already in a bad health state or you are very, very young, very, very old, that is the exception. But generally, it is very, very rare to die from a tarantula bite. You cannot, it's not capable of killing a healthy human being. Is what we'd like to say, granted, you could argue, you know, allergies is allergies, part of Allergies, I would not count allergies into that, but... Granted, you would never know if you have a tarantula venom allergy until you're bitten. Until you're dying, so and that is, that's fair. That <laughs> who, is fair. Who would even, like, you might just be like, oh, well, today's my day, gotta go. Like, I don't know. Anyways. Another common myth is that tarantulas will chase you. They will not chase you. Uh, when in a stressful situation... The tarantula's heart, and so, first of all, tarantulas have book lungs, right? And so when the tarantula's in a stressful situation, the heart has to work really extra hard. And when the tarantula runs, you actually have, like, fluid pressure from the circulatory system in their knees, and that's what creates the movement. It's kind of like a hydraulic system. Yeah, it's like a hydraulic system. And so when in the stressful situation, they get a huge spike in heart rate and then a huge spike in fluid pressure, um, which exhaust the body after a minute or two and they end up collapsing or dying they can't keep up with that so they cannot chase you or at least they can't chase you very far yeah and then the very last most the one i feel most passionate about is that you should have or own a defanged tarantula as a pet that, that is a big no-no big absolute no-no very passionate about how wrong that is um first of all we talked earlier, the venom in a tarantula is not used to hurt you, it is used for them to hunt. So, if you were defanging a tarantula, that would be like if I took all of your teeth out, took off your hands, and then said, okay, eat like normal. And some people will say, like, it doesn't affect the tarantula's health, you can still feed it, but... With tarantulas, some tarantulas can go a year or two without eating. So say you, you know, you buy a very well-fed tarantula and you get it, you defang it. It can live for two years or so, but it'll be starving. So and do it'll not be defang miserable. them. Yeah, I could tube feed you if I took all of your teeth out, but you still wouldn't like it, would you? Sorry, I am very persnickety about the subject. <laughs> I just don't think that it's... If you happen to be someone who, you know, might have come across this or done it yourself, there is no shame if you, you know, did not know. But just for future reference, if you hear about defang tarantulas or are advised to defang your tarantula, please make sure you do not defang them or advise the person talking to you that it is not good for the animal and it is in... The animal's best interest that this does not occur and it is also worth noting that some places say that they have defanged tarantulas when they actually don't they're lying which i guess is oh kind of okay because they didn't defang them but that also could risk bad handling because people think that they can't bite them and so they could have inappropriate handling in that case so either way all around not a good situation so i guess we've talked a lot about what tarantulas are and maybe knocking down some of the ideas, the misconceptions that people have about them. But it's important to talk about the interactions that tarantulas and people have with each other. And so the biggest, well, I, I would argue one of the most important aspects of this is their medical significance, both good and bad for humans. Right. And surprisingly for tarantulas, there was a lot more than I thought. So let's go ahead and talk real quick about the tarantula venom side effects for people. We were talking earlier about new world tarantulas versus old world tarantulas. So generally with your new world tarantulas, they have the ability to urticate hairs, which means they don't need that potent of venom. And so for the most part, if you were to get bit by a New World tarantula, which would be like your Chilean rosehair, that is a common tarantula you find in the pet stores, uh, for the most part, that's just going to feel like a bee sting. You can't have allergies to it, so allergies can cause 
rashes, eye puffiness, itchiness, and some severe allergy cases you can have, abdominal pain and headaches. If you get those symptoms, you should definitely see a doctor for those. I would like to add that tarantulas can also do what's called a dry bite, where when they bite in defense, they do not use their venom. Venom is very energy costly for the animal to make, so if they waste it all on protecting themselves from multiple attempts from a human to harass them, then they've essentially wasted their hunting materials. So when they bite in defense, generally they'll try and give a dry bite. If you get bit by a New World tarantula, you went through a lot of warning signs to get bit. For the most part. For I mean, the I'm most sure part, I'm outliers. sure there's probably some that are kind of just nippy in the first place. But, but the urticating hairs make a good first line of defense they are not pleasant from experience <laughs> they're no. no fun but it's you don't have to go to the doctor for urticating hairs or yeah for the most part if i mean if they get in somewhere important Maybe. granted important is subjective but we'll like, talk about what happens when they get into your eyeballs later <laughs> oh, Ooh. Gosh. anyhow uh, old world tarantulas. old world tarantulas much more painful. So old world tarantulas do not have that ability to urticate hairs in defense, which means that they do have to use their venom in defense sometimes, which means their venom is much more potent. It's much, you get a lot more severe pain in the area, vomiting, muscle cramps, partial paralysis in the area of the bite, body aches, and even in some cases you get bleeding gums. And this is species dependent so i mean not all of them are going to have severe of side effects but it is important to note that old world tarantulas can pack a bit more punch in their venom if they decide to use it which and i would also like to note if you go to any sort of exotic stores and we'll talk about some pets and stuff but they do sell old world tarantulas as pets in a lot of stores your indian ornamentals your king baboons so it is just be aware of what you're buying is all I can say. Yes. I guess we should also talk a little bit about what does it take for a tarantula to bite you. And honestly, you probably harassed the tarantula in some way if you're bitten that it, you know, did not like. Granted, that's not always the case. You know, I'm sure there are tarantulas who are a little more aggressive than others. It's definitely a species. The level of how docile they are is dependent upon species for the most part. But for the most part, to get a tarantula to bite you, especially the New World tarantulas, takes a little bit more. I know some people will be bitten if they're, you know, handling it and it doesn't really enjoy it. Granted, some of them are weird like that. You hold them and they're fine one day and they're not the next. That's a whole other conversation. That's just, there's so much to talk about with tarantulas in captivity and as pets. But for the most part... If you, only we had three hours. If you, if you respect, if you give the proper respect to that animal, it won't bite you. For the most part, because I'm not going to, you know, invalidate anyone's experiences where they were, you know, bitten and they were totally prepared. Because it does happen. Right. But for the most, if you're going to be bit by a tarantula, number one, it probably did try to remove itself from your presence, run away or hide. Yeah, the it, first thing they'll always do is, or for the most part, they'll try and run away. Uh, second of all, they will do a defense display where they'll rear up, they'll bring their legs up and say, hey, don't come near me, I'm big and scary. Some of them will even do a little bit of a pounce towards you instead of biting. They'll kind of try to scare you off. And then the next step for new world tarantulas would be that urticating hairs. They'll flick those hairs at you to try and make you leave them alone. And if even then... After that, they'll deliver the dry bite. Hopefully. Hopefully, they'll (laughs) deliver the dry bite, and then after the dry bite would come the bite with the venom. There's a good chunk of options for them to go through before they hit the venom portion of the bite. For the most part, they'd prefer not to use their venom. But there is a good side to venom, which I always think is very interesting. Venom as medicine. Um, so one interesting thing that I found in 2001 in the journal Nature, there was a study published by Frank Bode, sorry Frank if I pronounced that wrong, Frederick Sachs and Michael R. Franz that said a peptide from Gramostola rosea, the Chilean rosehair, um, their venom may be able to prevent 
arrhythmia, atrial fibrillation. And it, the study kind of concluded in a way that's like, yeah, this there's more to discuss. And fortunately, in 2019, I 2019, yeah, January 2019. This is very, very recent. That is very recent. Um, well, for us. Yeah. I mean, we're releasing this today, but if you're listening to this, I don't know, five years in the future. <laughs> uh, Frederick Socks, one of the original publishers of the paper previously mentioned, and many other authors further investigated how Gramostola rosea venom could be used to help people. They found they researched how the peptides and the lipid bilayers interact. So the peptides from the venom and the lipid bilayers of human cells. So according to the article, the peptides control ion channels that are responsible for coordination and control of many bodily functions, such as turning your signals into sensory functions. So that electric signal fired from wherever the brain into how you feel things. So some people hope that this can be translated into biomedical therapeutics, which I found very interesting. It's with science, it's always a work in progress before we perfect, quote, perfect things. And especially when it comes to therapies and drugs, it takes a very, very long time to get things on the market. So I would like to stress that this is ongoing investigation and scientific research but still very, very interesting. Well, I think that is very cool. And, you know, I found a study con- that was conducted in 2015. It looked into how tarantula uh, cubensis, or TCE, that's a component of tarantula venom, they looked into how it affected tumor growth. And what they actually were able to find was that it increased apoptosis, which is cell death, of tumors found in the mammary glands of dogs. And this is really important uh, because the treatment what it did, it was limited the expression of B-cell lymphoma 2, which is something we find in human mammary tissues of people who have a risk of getting breast cancer. It is possible that in the future we will have a breast cancer cure that comes from tarantula venom. And like Possible I yeah. ongoing research. Um, this was done in 2015. So hopefully they have. Hopefully more. they have been able to pursue it. Um, but how cool would that be? My boobs were saved by tarantulas. <laughs> Am I getting this confused with scorpions that they've also looked at um, scorpions muscle did. dystrophy or the muscle deterioration and using venom to stop that? It's kind of like Parkinson's like things. I think Chilean rose hairs did that too. I'm not sure. I did not look it up. But I know I've heard somewhere that I think it's tarantulas that have helped with like muscle muscle dystrophy or whatever it is. I'm not a doctor of medicine, so <laughs> I can't really say. Um, but anyhow, there. I know you talked about some urticating hair research. Yes, urticating hairs. So first of all, urticaria is the official name for the symptoms of urticating hairs. Those symptoms are uh, your skin becomes red and inflamed. It is often itchy and it kind of creates a prickly sense. Some people can have a little bit of allergic reaction to those hairs and get maybe rashes and whatnot, but that's kind of on the individual basis. The one that freaks me out the most is ophthalmial nodosa. That is the inflammatory reaction of the eyes due to a foreign body such as tarantula hair. And it's specific to tarantula hair or I think there's also a hair that you find on caterpillars that uh, causes this condition. And it's the movement of the eyeball. It propels the setae further in. And because the setae is, has a pointed tip and is serrated, it prevents the hair from being able to move backwards out of your eyes. So as you itch and irritate your eyes more, you're actually just pushing the hair further down. I did not read if there was a cure or how they got it out. I just read that that happens, and I've been so happy that all of my tarantulas have had bad aim so far and have not hit my eyeballs. Just don't hold a tarantula up to your eyeballs is kind of the moral of the story here. Yeah, that seems like a good, that seems like good advice. Good advice, Jillian. Keep tarantulas away from your eyeballs. So the next big topic of human tarantula interaction I'd like to talk about is entomophagy, which we should do an episode on entomophagy because I absolutely... We love eating bugs. <laughs> I absolutely love the topic of entomophagy. I have bugs in my cupboard right now. Anyways, eating tarantulas... 
Hmm? What bugs? Um, I have chapulines. I have those chocolate-covered ants and the scorpion. Chocolate-covered scorpions. It's like you get popcorn kernels stuck in your teeth. I have cricket flour up there. We should make cookies. I, I don't think it's enough to make cookies. I used a lot of it. <laughs> there's, You're letting me down. There's a really cool woman at the um, local farmer's market who does everything with crickets. But I don't remember what her brand is called. Bummer. I'll have to check her out. Anyway, <laughs> entomophagy. Eating tarantulas. So eating tarantulas has existed for a very long time. It's generally like a cultural practice, to my knowledge, since we're from the Western world. We don't not very, very often. <laughs> it's not very common over here. Um, the United States, Canada, the UK, they're part of a handful of nations that do not like eating bugs, whereas the rest of the supposed, like, 75 to 90% of the rest of the world does eat bugs and is not afraid of eating them. Anyhow, many people talk about eating tarantulas or it's, like, on their bucket list to eat a tarantula. I just would like to add the warning that you should be wary of what kind of tarantula you are eating. It is a very interesting experience from what I've read. Uh, Unfortunately, I have not been able to eat a tarantula, (laughs) so I, this is, I have no idea what it's like. But recently in Mexico City, a restaurant was busted by the EPA for selling Mexican red rump tarantula tacos for $27, and Mexican red rump tarantulas are a protected species. Um, So they, this, this restaurant was found out through a social media video which I saw. I, I watched this video before this before they ever got arrested for any of this. Um, and they were showing how they made these tarantula tacos. It was, it was kind of hard to watch as someone who like took care of tarantulas for a long time. I was like, I don't think I could fry them. Like, if that's what you do, that's what you do. Each to their own. I just don't have the heart to do that kind of deal. But anyhow, just be careful of what you promote online is kind of the moral of that story. We do want those people to be found out, but also be careful that you're not promoting eating endangered species. Yeah, I mean, how many more people probably went and ate that protected species because yeah, they saw the video? That restaurant supposedly had like an increase of visitors after that video was shared. And another example is I found this blogger online that talked about eating tarantula in Cambodia. And this was... This was... um blogged about on Entomology Today, hosted by the Entomological Society of America, a huge entomology source. And um, this blogger talked about the Bugs Cafe in, I can't say this, Siem Reap, Cambodia. I'm really sorry. We butcher names all the time any Cambodians listening to this or anyone who knows how to pronounce this. But just be careful where these things are sourced. Rarely are tarantulas bred to be eaten since it takes so long for them to grow. You can't really farm these things in a way that you can sustain a restaurant with it. It supposedly tastes like a mix between chicken and cod, though the one blogger said the chicken taste was a lie and it tasted more fishy than anything. Which would make sense? It, I don't uh, know. Maybe not. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm not sure, but generally the bugs are sourced from farmers who catch them. Commonly, these farmers are paid to catch the arachnids and other insects that are used to profit, used for entomophagy. It does help provide these local people with a source of income, but generally they they don't have knowledge of like what's a protected species, what's not. They're not really farming them. They're just taking them out of the wild, which we all know has happened in history where we take too much of a good thing. We're not really aware of how we're using our resources. So if you are looking to go eat some tarantula, just make sure you know where it's sourced from. And if you're comfortable with it, you're comfortable with it. If you're not, you're not. Sort of deal. And the last interaction we would like to talk about is um, tarantulas as pets. Which I think can actually be a little bit of a controversial subject. It's it's a, it's a little, tricky topic It is for some people. Um, First of all... It's debated whether or not they should be kept in captivity in the first place amongst, I guess, people. I don't really know if 
it's big in the hobbyist community to talk about it. But we, both Jillian and I, we have both had tarantulas as pets and we've took care of them. So we personally think that tarantulas are okay to be pets if they're taken care of properly. What gets and hard? And especially like if they're wild caught. I don't, I personally, I don't really promote wild caught species I as pets. I agree with that. I um, would say that it would have to come from. Mine, I did not pay for it. Therefore, I'm not supporting any sort of catching of them. It was given to me. So, I mean, I don't really feel bad about it. I guess I can't say. Mine was bought when it was a baby. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think mine was a baby. Mine was a baby when I got her. So, I, given her age, I don't think that she was wild caught. Yeah. And given her size, I don't think yeah. she was wild caught. And generally. And she was a popular, she was a, a pink toe. She was a pink mm-hmm. toe. So she's very popular in the U.S. as a pet. So there are many, many tarantula breeders. I mean, if you go to like reptile expos, you will probably find someone with tarantulas there. Even they really are, love to, they, they love to promote them at those reptile yeah, expos. Yeah, reptile expos is more like exotic everything pet. exotic that doesn't have fur, like or mammal fur. Feathers. Yeah, or feathers sort of deal. But, um, so, but tarantulas, so they are becoming a popular pet. And a lot of people are saying that they're easy pets, which is why I think the subject is controversial is because they're really not that easy of a pet because they need their setups should be complicated. If your setup isn't kind of complicated with the proper burrowing, the proper substrates, the proper humidity and proper heating and stuff, if yours is just easy, if you just threw them in a tank and called it good you don't have the proper setup. Right. I mean, you don't have to ball out for it, but you should have a nice, you know, you want the best for your animal. And if you don't have the funds to create the proper enclosure, you know, don't get the animal in the first Mm -hmm. place. And I mean, the thing for me is what I've learned from a lot of like hobbyist forums and groups and whatnot is that no one has the right answer for most of these things because many people will say conflicting things like oh you need this substrate or you need this substrate it needs to be this many inches no this many inches and honestly i don't know what the exact best thing is but i can speak from experience as to what has made tarantula husbandry successful in the past and we can speak from experience of what you should not do with them yes so Moral of the story, if you do get a tarantula as a pet, do your research beforehand because tarantula species, the differences in species can, you know, depend, have dependencies on temperature and humidity and all that, prey size. But if you are looking to buy a tarantula, first of all, we suggest you rescue one. That sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> but it but happens. I see posts like, honestly, Craigslist, people post about the tarantulas all the time. I would honestly consider that almost a rescue. Like I, I most, count it as a rescue. Yeah, and definitely talk to your local animal shelters and maybe your local um, naturalists because a lot of times they get tarantulas sent into them. These pet owners don't think they can take it into any old animal shelter, which is true. Most animal shelters don't take in exotics. So definitely call around, check your local buy and sell things like Craigslist because that should be your first option is rescuing one. It's definitely not hard around here. It, it happens. I mean, what was it? We had one of our friends told us as she was walking and she saw a tarantula in someone's yard here in Iowa. Which, and I believe her because she yeah, worked with us. She worked with us. She, she knew what a tarantula was. She works with raising them. She's raised tarantulas. There's like no mistaking it. And, uh, sorry, I don't mean to give her personal information away here, but in the middle of Iowa... There's no way. There is no way that there's a trench. So that means somebody had one as a pet, didn't want it anymore, and released it, which I guess fine and dandy if it's summer in Iowa, but we have this thing called winter here. There's no way a tarantula is making it through the winter. So that's just, no. that's unfortunate for the poor thing it had to suffer. A lot of that comes from people just don't understand the care and the time put in tarantulas, especially since some of them, like rose hairs, live to be so old, the females. It's just disappointing. You know, I, I'm sure people have the best intentions for the most part, but please, if rescuing is not an option for you, find a reputable breeder who does not take from the wilds. I'm going to shout out 
to um I don't think he sells tarantulas, but he's got some cool tarantula rearing videos is um Trace Harden. His accounts like Harden Herpetologica or something. Super cool. He actually helped me get the job at the insect zoo kinda because like I name dropped him a little bit, but <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean I'm maybe he didn't, but I mean he's really cool. He's got some he's got a communal tarantula thing going on. It's like a species that's known to be communal and he's been like taking videos of it and it's super cool. I'm like, if he sells these, I'm buying like ten. They're so cool. But yeah. I'm done nerding wow, out. We're nerds. We are I'm such done nerds. geeking out. There's there was an Australian place, if anyone's in Australia, there was an Australian place I found that does, like, bird eater rearing, and their their setups are super cool, and they, like, get their tarantulas to have burrows and stuff like that. It's Their breeding pens are super cool. I don't know how to describe it, but I'm geeking out right now. Can we also do a quick fun fact about bird eaters, that they don't actually eat birds? Oh, yeah, that should have been our yeah, myth section. Yeah, that was, should have been in the myth section. My bird-eating tarantulas, as fantastic as they are, and they are big, don't get me wrong, um, they don't eat birds mostly because birds have wings and can very easily fly away from a tarantula they'd have to stalk it from behind um and wrestle it down before it could fly away it has to be small enough uh, the venom has to be able to take over a bird depending on the size of the bird the venom might not even be successful yeah so they more commonly eat things like toads and large invertebrates. Right, and that's not to say, I think it was named because the first time someone ever saw the bird eater, they saw it eating a bird. Uh, but that bird could have been dead, that bird It was a been, rare instance. Yeah, very rare instance. I don't, don't think it could have been dead. They're generally not scavengers, but it might have, Babies you know. will scavenge. Oh, they will? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Babies will. That I makes sense, I don't though, think adults do, It's though. hard for babies to catch food. Yeah, they kind of have to be a little desperate. I know for, like, Araneomorphs, when they're still in the nest, they'll eat whatever mom killed, so it's not hunting it, you know? But it's still not live prey. Okay. Well, Anyhow, <laughs> yeah. Um, where are we? Where are tarantulas as far as conservation goes? Before that, before I do have to that. cover... We do have experience in professional tarantula care, and we would gladly offer assistance to anyone who needs it. Oh, yeah. Please be aware of what you read online. This is not a how-to podcast, so if you are interested in tarantulas as pets, definitely contact us for more information if you want to. We could go on for days about tarantula husbandry, but like I said, this is not a how-to we would gladly do it for you if you contact us, but we have to digress. Um, and as for handling tarantulas, if you get one, we advise against handling if you are not trained to do so. Um, uh, it especially, is Especially, well, like we talked about earlier, the exotic pet stores and stuff, they do sell some of your old world tarantulas, which are dangerous to be handling because their venom is pretty potent. So... Just do your research. If you're not trained, probably don't do it. It's even debated amongst hobbyists if you should even handle them in the first place. Um, I have handled tarantulas. You have handled tarantulas. We are we were trained in how to do it. I probably wouldn't have ever held a tarantula. Otherwise, not to say that tarantula owners can't hold them. I mean, each to their own. Do what you think is right. Uh, we just want people to be aware of the risks of handling, especially some of the ones that you might not know could be more venomous, or if you have some sort of um, medical yeah, thing. Any that, sort of immune deficiency, or if you think there's a chance that you could have allergies, if you touch the hairs and it made you itchy, then maybe just let it be. Just <laughs> let it be a nice, pretty counter decoration. And then the other thing I wanted to cover is there's an article that costs $105 for 30 days access to read. We're not funded to get through paywalls, my dudes. We have no money. You can send us money for our podcast. Currently, our microphone is set on top of Jillian's roach colony. It's in a tub and we are on a floor. Yes. So send us money. <laughs> Patreon. Anyhow, there's this really cool research article and it made me really really excited when i saw the title but i don't have 105 dollars to spare but anyhow there's this thing called dyskinetic syndrome and it's described by the article as erratic movements and ataxia so a lack of voluntary coordination of muscle movement 
followed by death in some tarantula species in captivity. This is the first paper covering this topic, and the researcher is looking for more people to send in reports and observations they, so they can find a treatment for these tarantulas. And this is significant because there is never any information about medical care for tarantulas or inverts in general. So I thought that was super cool, especially as someone who has come into situations where there, you know, someday there might be a medical treatment for what's going on or some sort of description as to what's going on. But it's really hard to just find the information of any sort of medical issue with your tarantulas. I mean, undoubtedly, there's probably some, you know, genetic illnesses in them that we just haven't described because no one puts money into it which really sucks Tis for the plight of exotic hobbyists <laughs> conservation <laughs> now we can get to now your we can get to topic conservation and where tarantulas are conservation wise which really isn't it's not too bad of a situation there's plenty of tarantulas to go around we do have a lot of protected species we do have quite a few endangered ones as well and a lot of this comes from habitat loss which affects most animals that are ending up endangered habitat mm -hmm. lost one of the biggest ones is people purposefully killing the animals because they think they're bad and because of our negative impressions on them i know the indian ornamental is an example of one it's actually illegal to kill the indian ornamental because of its conservation status at this point uh, and that was because people would see them out and about and they would know you know how bad their bite was yeah, within um, North America, there it's more towards Mexico because Mexico has the most tarantula species of any nation. Um, but within North America, we do have protected species towards the south. The very common ones that aren't protected that there are many, many of, I believe, are such as the Oklahoma brown slash Texan brown, the Arizona blonde, but things like the red rump are protected as we mentioned don't eat them <laughs> don't eat them and mostly just don't kill them out of fear they're in their natural habitat they are doing them they want nothing to do with you so don't kill them as i used to tell kids how would you like it if a stranger burst into your home and killed you <laughs> yeah would you like it if someone came and said you're ugly and i want to squish you no you i'd wouldn't. be pretty offended Personally, I would be extremely offended. I don't want anyone calling me ugly, even if I am. That is a big kick to the ego. <laughs> but anyhow, as far as conservation status goes, it does depend on the species. There are plenty of species where there are plenty of tarantulas to go around, but there are also plenty of protected species, including Metallica's tarantula. <laughs> I wonder if Metallica, like, they should do, do something with that. If Metallica doesn't have one of the Metallica tarantulas as a pet, they're doing it wrong. If Metallica is listening right now, please. If make Metallica is listening to two <laughs> college girls entomology podcasts about tarantulas, we get like twelve views. <laughs> I don't Aren't they think views? they're the listens. This I, is why we don't get many listens because we think, call them views. I don't think Metallica is one of them. Well, maybe they will someday. Anyhow. I found this cool article, which I feel like I say that a lot. First of all, I say anyhow a lot. I also say, I found this cool article a lot. In 2018, she even does that just in normal life, just as a person. She'll text <laughs> us and be like, I found a cool article. And I did we all just, go, I emailed, I emailed Beth emailed. one. I emailed Beth an article about um, diversity in science and how it like makes science better when you have a diverse group of people. But... Anyways, enough of me being a nerd. In 2018, an article published in the journal titled, titled Wildlife Research sought to show that the Gramostola vaconi, vaconi, vaconi could be a bioindicator in the mountainous grasslands of Argentina, where that's the only place it is found. I would like to say fair warning. Um, there is some back and forth about people the controversy of people trying to claim something as a bioindicator more as like a move to protect it or to up its importance. I don't really want to get into that because it's not really relevant, but 
this is, I mean, this is an article I found. I just, like, talked about it. And the ecology is important, my dudes. Um, but it's behind a $25 paywall. Again, broke. So did not pay to read the whole thing. But we sure read so that abstract. I, read, I could read, I read what I could. And here's the gist of what I have found. Bioindicators are organisms, if you don't know, bioindicators are organisms that are, that by presence or lack thereof gives an indication of habitat health. And the team of this study determined, first of all, the microhabitat characteristics of this habitat. I don't know how else to put it. And used those to create different sites to study and measure the abundance of the tarantulas. So if you have these characteristics, how many tarantulas are there, essentially? So what they found was that locations with altered vegetation saw altered distribution of the tarantula. And the implications of this study were furthering interest in tarantulas as bioindicators, as well as recategorization of G. viconi on the ICUN red list. And spiders as bioindicators in general is kind of hard to vouch for. I mean, not to invalidate them, but spiders, like, Arrhenia in general, they're generalist feeders for the most part. I can't really name any that have a specific prey. I mean, you could say, I mean, many predators could be considered bioindicators. It's just kind of hard with spiders since they eat anything they come across. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. Further research needs to be done. That's where we're going with this. That's probably a good way to put it. Further right? research. I mean, I will kind of be looking at spiders this summer in, in research Guam. in Guam. In Guam. I won't. I'll still be here in Iowa <laughs> helping the squirrels that got hit by cars. Hey, I turned one of those in. Yes, you did. There's a, there's a fun picture of me with a squirrel in my pocket because I didn't know where else to put it when I found it. It got happily released back to the wild. Good. I'm, I'm happy for Coconut. Go, Coconut. She's always in my heart. Anyhow, do you... I say anyhow so much. I need to stop that. You need to, like, smack me every time I say that. Listen for the smack sounds. That's me hitting Jillian <laughs> when she says anyhow. But I guess... Unless you have anything else, that kind of wraps up our tarantulas. I don't think I do. Well, with all my annoying language habits aside, remember to share this podcast with others and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. You can also find us and keep in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook at BugginOutAbout and our website, BugginOutAbout.wordpress.com. And we want your feedback. You can send us comments, questions, and even ideas for future episodes. Send it all to bugginoutabout at gmail.com. That's B-U-G-G-I-N-O-U-T-A-B-O-U-T at gmail.com. Take a big breath. We couldn't have chosen a smaller name. No, we couldn't. It was either that or like BOA, B-O-A. And I was like, that. oh, that would be That's dumb. like a that's BOA like a constrictor. Korean that's a musician. Name. Oh, that's not where I was going. Anyways... <laughs> If you believe in arthropodology, entomology, education like we do, find us on patreon.com at bugginoutabout, where you can pledge to be a member that supports the creation of our podcast. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com at bugginoutabout. And you can find all this information on our website as well. Special thanks to our two sponsors, Tyler B. and April M., they are wonderful sponsors, the only reason we can still upload to SoundCloud. Yep, their sponsorship makes us be able to pay for this space, so they are grade <laughs> A. Um, we'd also like to give a special shout out to AV, our logo designer. He's super awesome for putting our amazing looking logo together, and uh, so thank you so much to him. And another special shout out to the producer of our music, Brandon Song. Find him on Spotify under Brandon Song, no space, that is B-R-A-N-D-O-N-S-O-N-G. He, re- this is a while ago, but he released a single called Maybe in the Next Life, so check it out now on Spotify. And one last thing before we go. One last thing. I would like to mention we are possibly looking for some people to join our bugging out about team if you are interested as people who would be writing transcripts um for our podcast we really strongly believe in um diversity making making it available to those who do not have the ability of hearing as well as others that would mean the world to us if we could find someone to help transcribe our podcasts we already have a platform for it all we have to do is give you the login yeah we just have to we are 
living some crazy lives right now and it's hard enough to get together to record let alone (laughs) actually do the transcripts so any help would be much appreciated and if you're super into things like journalism and blogging we are also looking for writers for our website if you would like to write articles about bugs or summaries of our latest podcast episodes and last if you know anything about audio editing we would welcome any sort of audio producer who is able to make us sound nicer. Because if you couldn't tell, some of us have been sniffling through the entire podcast and hitting the roach box the entire podcast. Yes, so if you have any of these skills, feel free to contact us. You can also find more information on our website. Well, I think that is all. Absolutely is all. all. So thank you so much again for tuning into Bugging Out About. <laughs>